Okay, we now begin Maseches Bava Kama in earnest. This is Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph 1-1. And in the introduction, I sort of gave an overview to the whole Seder and the structure of the Masechta, but let me here now give an introduction really to the next uh, six prakim, next six chapters of the Masechta, which deal with Nizke Mamon, which is the topic of when one's property causes damage to another, whether it's his uh, his property or his person, for that matter. So if you would go through the Pesukim carefully in Mishpatim, you would find six different instances, six different categories where you have uh, people causing damage to someone else's property. Okay, um, I'm going to go through those six now. Uh, the first is a person himself. If a person causes damage, the Adam Hamazik, so um, then he's certainly liable, and the rule is that the person is muad la'olam, he's always responsible uh, to pay full restitution if he causes damage, even if he was, you know, acting, you know, it was an accident. It doesn't matter. When a person causes damage to another person's property, that could be directly begufa with his own person. Like, you know, I take my hand and I break your flower pot uh, by knocking it over. Um, it also could be um, through his force, but not directly with his person. That's called chitzo, his arrow. So if I, literally, if I shoot an arrow and it goes and breaks your window, or if I take a ball and I throw it and it goes through your window and breaks it, so then I'm responsible to pay for the damages of the broken window. There's a third category called grama, uh, which is like essentially indirect causation. And there, if uh, the exact parameters of what defines indirect um, has to be explored, but um, the, the principle is once it's uh, considered to be indirect as opposed to just an extension of my strength or my direct action. So then, at least bide adam down here, there's no obligation to um, to make restitution to pay for the damages. It's considered indirect. Maybe lefnimishura said then above and beyond the letter of the law, I would have to uh, compensate you. So that's the first category: adam hamazik, a person. Um, then you have what uh, the Chazal referred to as shore. Shore means an ox, or an ox referring to, to livestock. So oxen, like all livestock, really can uh, damage in three different ways. So these will, the first one was Adam Hamazik, a person causing damage to property. The next three are caused by um, one's animals, potentially. And those three are Keren, Shane, and Regel. Keren, which literally means a horn, uh, is referring to when an animal intends to inflict damage. So while... That could be with its horn, like by goring. Uh, it also could be with its foot by kicking and the like. Okay, its teeth by biting and so on. So when an animal intends to do damage, so then that's called Karen. And the rule generally is that um, one has to pay for that. But if the animal is considered a tam, meaning a, a docile animal, and therefore uh, not expected to start goring people, so then the rule is that one only pays chatzinezek, half the damages. Okay, if the animal is a muad, if he's established to be dangerous, that would mean, let's say, for example, if it's a cow, it's gored three times already. Um, or, you know, if it's a, if you have a pet lion, so then even the first time, of course, lions are known to be dangerous in the beginning, so then you'd pay full damages right away. Okay, then you have shane. Shane, which literally means tooth, refers to the category of damage where your livestock is benefiting itself, most commonly by eating. Um, so... You know, sheep go and graze in your, your, if your sheep graze in your neighbor's field and eat his stuff, so then that's called shane, and you have to compensate him for the damage that your sheep caused. Um, but it's, again, it's not about eating necessarily. If your your pet cow um, has a, 
itch on its back and scratches it against your neighbor's wall and knocks the wall over. So again, that's called shame because it was for the benefit of the cow, not Karen. It didn't intend to damage the wall. It wanted to take care of its own needs and therefore did so. So that's called shame. And then you have regel. Regel, which literally means foot, uh, is referring to uh, the normal actions that animals do as they go about doing their animal business. Um, and there's just collateral damage that comes from that. When The most typical thing is uh, when they walk around, they trample on things. So if I let my animals walk through your backyard, even if they're muzzled, but they're going to trample your petunias, that's called regel. They'll, by a matter of course, trample on things, and I have to compensate you for the damage I caused by them doing about doing their business. But it's not just about regel. If I bring, about regel per se, about feet or trampling, you know, if I bring my bull into your china shop, so it's predictable that the bull walking around, as a well-behaved bull does, still would knock over the china, and that would be considered a regel, um, even though it's knocking off with its rest of its body. And again, you have to make full um, restitution for the animal causing damage to regel. There is an interesting halacha lemoshim misinai, which says that if the animal causes damage through its regular activities, doing its animal thing, but it does so not directly, but rather indirectly, meaning through its koach, so then kind of analogous to what I said, if a person damages through chitzo, through like a, an arrow, so if an animal damages through what's called sororos, literally pebbles, so the animal's walking along the, along the way doing its thing, as it's allowed to do, um, but then it kicks up a rock, and uh, the rock the rock causes damage. So that's that's called sros, and Halach Moshe says there's only a chatsi nezek, meaning that only half, the, the damage is caused, um, only half of the damage caused is paid for by the owner of, of the animal. Okay, so those three collectively, called shore, um, the damage is caused by one's animals, uh, again, broken up into keren, shen, and rego are um, part of a person's property that damages. Uh, and those are, we bring us up to now a total of four. But there are two more. There's also aish, which means a fire. So that means, uh, literally means, of course, fire, like if one lights a fire in his backyard, but then the wind blows it to his neighbor's backyard and causes damage there, so then he'd be liable as well. Um, but conceptually, aish is referring to um, any thing from my property, which causes damage through an intermediary, meaning the fire alone is not da- my fire, but just in my backyard. What made it damage your stuff is the wind carrying it. So there's a necessary um, intermediary, which which causes, you know, has to be added to my my fire to cause damage to you. Um, it's nothing to do with, you know, fire per se or wind per se, but example, if I would, you know, put my knife on my the edge of my balcony and the wind would blow it off and it would fall down off my balcony and, you know, land on your pet so then the damage that my knife calls your pet would be called aish because it's the knife which i left but which is carried by an intermediary of wind and damages your dog again that's i'd be liable um there and in all cases if i didn't act responsibly the general rule is like i mentioned before it's all about taking responsibility and therefore the basic um rule of thumb will be if a, the owner act responsibly he will be exempt if he acted irresponsibly meaning it's anticipatable that regular wind will blow and if regular wind could blow this knife off the balcony um, or spread the fire, etc., then one would be liable. Uh, the sixth uh, instance of causing damage to someone's property in the Torah is what's called bore. Bore means pit. The idea is if a person creates a hazard in the public domain and then, you know, Mr. A digs a pit or for that matter, you know, leaves a thumbtack or a screw in the parking lot or something, and then uh, Mr. B gets damaged by it. You know, his animal falls into the pit or whatever it is. 
now his car drives over the thumbtack, so then that's called bore, and the person who left it behind is responsible. So there, those are those six categories of that are explicit in Psukim, all in Mishpatim, that talk about how a person's a person could damage his fellow's property. Now our Mishnah begins by saying Arba Avos Nazikin. There are four uh, categories of Nazikin. The actually interesting grammatical construct, the word Nazikin. Uh, so the Rosh says the reason why this word is what this word is is because our Tana is what's called a Yushalmi. He's from Jerusalem. His his uh, language is a little different than other uh, parts of the the nation. And the same way, sort of like one who um, does chesed is called a chasid. One who does nezek is called a nazik. That's the Rosh explains here what's going on grammatically here. And when it says avos, what it means is there are four categories of causing damage on the property. That means avos clues you in. Implicit, they're not just the general categories, but also toledos, which are subcategories, which are they basically the same principle at work in a different guise. The same way we have Avos and told us in Tuma and Tahara. We have Avos and told us in Hilchos Shabbos. So we have Avos and told us when it comes to Nazikin. And the same way in Hilchos Shabbos, let's say one of the Lamatas Malachos, third nine categories, one of the Avos is uh, Zorea, planting seeds. So that's, you can't plant a seed, that's the Av. But if you do anything to facilitate plant growth, like watering seeds, that would be a Tolda of the Av. And similarly over here, um, like I said before, you know, Karen might be one of the Avos, uh, but it's not about horns. Though a tolda would be if he uses his foot or its teeth and the like. Now, the reason why they're considered avos is because they're explicit in the verses. Um, that's what makes them an av. And now, if you say, "Wait a second," I hold gave a whole introduction saying there are six different instances uh, in the pesukim, and now the, mis- the missionary says there are just four. What's going on? So there. The Gemara gets pretty complicated pretty fast because there are two basic approaches to read uh, the next uh, four words of our Mishnah, meaning the four Avos. According to Rav, the Amora, who argues with Shmuel, uh, all six of what I mentioned before are included in the next four words, the four Avos. According to Shmuel, no, just four of them are. Four of the six are mentioned in our Mishnah, and two of the six are not being mentioned in the Mishnah for whatever reasons. The Bartanura learns like Shmuel, explaining that the four Avos here are just four of the six, um, and I really will stick to that. So, uh, But I'll sort of just give a brief taste of uh, how Rav is reading this Mishnah as well. So, uh, let me do that right now. The four Avos Nazikin are, says the Mishnah, Hashor, Vahabor, Vahamav'eh, Vahev'er. Uh, now, Shor, which means, like I said before, the ox, or the bull, something like that. So, according to Rav, that includes all three of those things that I referred to as shore, meaning Karen, Shane, and Regel. So that one word covers three of the six, and the other three words will cover the other three of the six. That's how it's going to work out for Rav. Um, according to Shmuel, no. Shore only refers to the kind of, the subcategory, I'll call it, known as Regel. So shore means livestock, animals, livestock doing their thing, damaging as do, they do what they do. Uh, walking around and trampling and that kind of thing, knocking things over. That's what Shore refers to. And says, Shmuel, the reason why it doesn't say regal explicitly is because if it said regal, you'd think it means, you know, any damage it does with its foot. And kicking, when I say the cow damaged uh, my stuff with its foot, so you would think that means kicking. And kicking would not actually be considered a regal. Kicking would be a, a tolda of shame. Excuse me, 
of Karen, because Karen is the animal intending to damage, and kicking is that. that. And therefore, says Shmuel, it says sure, to talk about animals in general, doing their animal thing. Uh, and it's referring specifically to regal damage that's caused as the animal goes about doing its thing. Um, now, when one be liable for, uh, I'm going to say now everything according to Shmuel, essentially, like the Barthenor. So when would one be responsible for sure, meaning for regal? That's when your animal is in a place where it doesn't belong, i.e. in your neighbor's property, as opposed to in your property, or even the the Rishasaram in public property. Your animal is allowed to be there in the public property, and uh, if it's walking around in public property and it knocks over something in the street, well, everyone who's in the street has to be careful because your animals have a right to be there. Okay? Um, the basis for for um, Shor, meaning Regel, uh, is really the same basis for Shane, Tooth, which we'll come up to momentarily, which is the Pasuk in Shmos, Perk Chav Beis, Pasuk Dalad, 22.4, which is in the Shpatim, which is a little tricky to read. Um, I'll read it to you now and explain it so you have it. Uh, to understand this Pasuk, you have to understand that the word Be'ir means uh, an animal, livestock, in general. It's a noun. But the uh, the Pasuk here has like a cognate of that and turns um, the word Be'ir animal into like a verb, like doing its animal thing. So the Pasuk says, Ki yav'er ish sadeh ocherem. If a person is letting his animals do their animal thing in a field or a vineyard, and then either A, v'shilach es b'iro, he sends his animal, or B, uvi'er b'stei acher, or B, the animal grazes, does his animal thing, but here b'er means graze, in another's field. It's not sadeh acher, another field, but rather stay acher, another person's field. So either A, v'shilach es b'iro, he sends the animal, that's regel, the animal has been sent and it's damaging as it goes, or uvi'er b'stei acher, or graze in someone else's field, that's shane, it's getting benefit for itself by grazing and eating, and the rule is, metav sadehu or metav karmo yishalem, the owner of the animal that causes damage and has to pay, and if he's paying with, making restitution with his property, he has to pay from the best of his property, whether it's his, his uh, field or vineyard. So that's really the psukim, why they're called avos, for both shane and regel. Okay, the second of the avos nazikin is vahabor, the pit, the Pasuk here says, uh, this is in Shmos Chaf Aleph, Pasuk uh, Lama Gimel Lama Dalid, 21, 33, and 34. V'chi yiftach ish bor. If a person uncovers a pit, o ki yichre ish bor, or if a person digs a pit, and uh, the Chiddush is even, you would say, perhaps, if you're already, if you're liable for uncovering all the more, so if you dug it yourself, so the Gemara says, well, yes, but the person does the digging and makes the bore, let's say, from 9 to 10 tefachim deep, making it a lethal pit, which could kill someone. It's the latter person who did the digging who's responsible. That's the actual limud there. V'lo yichasenu, says the Pasuk, and then he doesn't cover it up, because the whole operative principle here is a person has to act responsibly. So a person 
could cover the pit, in which case he wouldn't be responsible because that's the proper course of action, assuming the cover is, you know, appropriate cover. But if he didn't do that, so then, v'nafal shama shor or chamor, if into that pit falls a shore, a cow, or a chamor, a donkey, so then, bal habor yishalem, then the owner of the pit will have to make payment to the person who owned the ox or donkey. Now, um, interesting, it's called Bal Habor, the owner of the pit, when the truth is that if there's just a public thoroughfare, it's, it's Rosh Hashanah, no one owns it. And then if I dig a hole in it, still no one owns it, it's just a hole in the public. But the Torah is ascribing ownership and responsibility to me who dug the hole, so it becomes like my hole, if you will, even though it's in the public. And the Pasuk says, Shor Ochamor, uh, which seems a little redundant, could have just used one example. Uh, why does it say both ox and donkey? So the answer is uh, like this. So in Hilcho Shabbos, elsewhere it says, in terms of Shvisa's Behemta, when you have to make sure your animals don't do labor on Shabbos, um, it refers to the Shor and Chamor resting, and elsewhere it talks about Behem and general resting. Therefore, we learn in Hilcho Shabbos domain, the Psukim talking about Shor and Chamor means any animal. So to over here, any animal, meaning even your camel or whatever it is, if it falls inside the pit, the person who made the pit is responsible. So then why does it give both examples, Shor and Chamor? So the Gemara Dosh is out, Shor Velo Adam, meaning if a per, if a, if what falls in the pit is a person's cow and the cow dies because it's a lethal pit because it's more than 10 to fucking deep, so then the person who dug it has to make restitution for the dead cow. But if it's a person who fell in, God forbid, and he dies, so then a person who dug the pit will not be responsible, at least not by the earthly courts, for digging that pit. The general principle is, you know, the person who fell in should watch where he's going. In any case, the point is the Psukim say that the drush is that you're not liable for the death of another person. If it comes to injury, you would be liable, meaning if the cow or the person fell in the pit and twisted its or his ankle, so then the person who dug the, dug the pit would be liable both um, for the cow twisted ankle and the person twisted ankle. And Chamor tells you, Chamor v'lokelem, it's the donkey for which you're responsible if it gets hurt, but not any like other utensils that fill in. So for example, if a, on the donkey's back there's a, a flower pot, so then and the donkey falls in and it breaks its ankle and the flower pot falls in and it gets smashed also, so then the person dug the pit has to pay for the damaged donkey, but not for the broken flower pot. Okay? Um, and the Pasuk ends... Uh, by saying, Balabor Yeshalem, the owner of the pit has to pay. Kesef Yashiv Lavalav Vahamesihelo. Um Kesef means he has to pay with money, but Yashiv is an extra word. Like he will make he will repay, uh, make restitution, Labalav to the owner of whatever fell in the pit. Um the extra word Yashiv tells you it can be money, like cash, or it can be something else. Shava Kesef, something else, any other, you know, movable objects, I can pay him in, you know, in the in in bottles of wine or something. Vahamesihelo and the corpse, uh, the carcass will belong to him. Him in this Pasuk, um, bottom line, lalacha means to the original owner. So the idea is if the original donkey was worth 100, it fell in the pit, now it's now it's not useful anymore to work, it has to be used, uh, you know, I don't know what, to go to the glue factory, so it used to be worth 100, and now it's worth 40, uh, so then the person who dug the pit would have to pay 60. And if the fellow doesn't take his, the original owner of the donkey, doesn't get his donkey out of the pit uh, fast enough before it, you know, decomposes to the point that the glue factory doesn't want it anymore. So the glue factory says it's worth zero. So then still, uh, the digger of the pit only pays a total of 60. The rest of the damage, the loss, is um, shouldered by the original owner because it's his responsibility to reclaim the, uh, the full and injured donkey. Okay, so that's the habor.
Then you have hamav'eh. Now, mav'eh, another really ambiguous term. The way that the Shmuel learns it, and that's the bartender explains it, mav'eh is a reference to shame. Mav'eh, according to, to uh, Shmuel, is a reference in which becomes uncovered. He learns it out based on a pasuk that's in Ovadia, which uh, refers to hidden things being uncovered. Pasuk says, Niv'u uh, matzpunav. It's a pasuk in Ovadia, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Vav. And that means something like matzpunav, um, things that are hidden, like tzafun from, you know, from the Pesach Seder, tzafun hidden away. Niv'u becomes uncovered or exposed, which says Shmuel is a reference to the teeth of the animal doing the grazing that are usually hidden behind the lips, but become exposed and, and appear when the animal's feeding. So that's what mav'eh means. Yes, it's a rather um, oblique reference to teeth, shame, but that's where we learned it. According to Rav, who already had shame included as part of Shur, so he says mav'eh is a reference to a person. That's the Adam Mazik, a person causing damage. Um, and he understands it from a different pasuk, um, that uh, a pasuk in Ishaya, that a person could be referred to as Mav um, Eh because, like the from the root, like a uh, boy. You know, the Gemara asks, like boy revirmia or e boy lahu, which means like to ask or request or need or want, inquire. And um, I guess Rav understands that's sort of the essential nature of of uh, of a person. What defines a person as a person is that he is, you know, wanting things and of Hashem. Okay, fine. So that's the Mav Eh, which means how we'll learn it, like. Shmuel, a reference to Shane. And finally, Shane again, meaning the animal benefiting itself. And then that the same halachas as, as a regal, essentially. It means it, if it grazes in his steacher, someone else's field. And then finally, ha-hev-er, hev-er, a reference to fire. Um, again, although the Pasuk we read before, be-er was referring to animals here. Hev-er, like a, the sneb-o-er, the burning bush that Moshe Rabbeinu saw, was Boer, it was burning. That's, you know, Mav'ir, the, the Malach on Shabbos to kindle a flame. So here, have air like the the fire that burns. That's Eish, as the Pasuk says, Ki Seitzi Eish, when a fire goes out, see, it's going out by itself. So the man doesn't do it. Some other, like the wind makes it spread. Umatza Koltzim, Venechel Gadish, or Akama, or Sadeh, and then the fire spreads and it damages consuming someone's haystack or his standing grain that hasn't been harvested or the field itself damaged in the ground so it has to be say replowed or something shalem yishalem hamavir es habe'era the person who kindled the flame is going to have to make uh, restitution so that's ish so those are the four categories uh, of avos whether according to Shmuel it's just four of the six and those what's common to those four is those are the four where it's a person's property causing damage as opposed to his person and the payment for the damage is a full Nezek Shalma, full payment. Meaning, according to Shmuel, there's no mention of Adam Mazak here because that's people causing damage to properties different than animals and other property. And it doesn't mention Karen because Karen, if you recall, when it comes to livestock, is normally considered to be Chatsi Nezek. Usually it's a, you pay half payments because it's not normal for livestock to intend to cause damage. Um, they're not, they're docile animals. Uh, so they're not included here. Now, the next part of the Mishnah is answering the following implicit question, which is, why do we have to have four different categories? Can we learn, if we have some, can't we learn others, like from a like kind of Kolvachomer? So the mission says, no, you can't. Lo hare hashor kare hamaveh. Velo hare hamaveh kare hashor. The shor, we'll call that regel, is not really comparable to maveh, we'll call that shane. 
and lo maveh, the shame is not really comparable to to regel. Why? Because what's going on here is that we're talking about a person being responsible for his property, and there are two different reasons why you should be responsible for your livestock. Um, one is shame, and one is regel. The idea is that um, you might say, "Listen, it's for sh- if the Torah told you you're responsible for." For regal, that's because regal is happening, it's a matzo, it's happening all the time. When every animal goes somewhere, that they, they cause damage. You have to watch them 24-7 wherever they're going because they trample things and knock things over. In contrast, uh, they're not always eating, etc. Uh, so you might think you'd be exempt from the eating if you only knew about the regal part of it. On the flip side, if you knew about the shane, you said, listen, if your animal feeds someone else's property, then you're liable to make Restitution, but not for trampling. You think, listen, yeah, because that's animal getting benefit. It's got you know you have to watch your animal carefully because animals want to eat. Whereas just animals doing its thing, maybe you think you're exempt exempt for an animal doing its thing. Therefore, you need to have both. The Furthermore, below ben ruachaim. If you only had these two things, meaning if you only had shein and regel, um, you wouldn't necessarily be able to learn out more because those are alive. So of course you have lots of responsibility because they're running around doing their thing. They have wills of their own, so to speak. They go around. They're not kareha esh. They're not comparable to fire because fire um, doesn't spread without some intermediate, like a like a wind pushing it around. In and of itself, it's it's not alive. It doesn't have a will. She'embo ruachaim and velo Even all three together, uh, meaning shein regel and esh, wouldn't be enough to tell you bore. Shadark and leilachulahazik because those things at least are on the move. Therefore, of course, as you mindful of your animals which are running around and your fire which can spread. Um, they're not kare habor. They're not comparable to a pit as some sort of obstacle in the ground which stays put. Shein dark because the bore, the the hazard in the ground doesn't doesn't move around. So therefore, says the Mishnah, Hatsata shava the the common denominator which defines all these things. So you can take away a message here which is important because in all the mishpatim, mishpatim are principles to be applied, not just chukim, not just you know, arbitrary rules that can't be ex- extrapolated from. Is shedark and lahazik? It's the way of these things to cause damage. If you're not careful, your animal, your fire, and your pit will all cause damage to your neighbor's property. And therefore, ushmirasan alecha, it's your responsibility to guard them. Again, like I said from the beginning, the center piece, the underlying principle which governs the just society is people take responsibility for themselves and their property. So you have shmirasan alecha, you're responsible to make sure that your property doesn't cause damage. Ukashehizik, and if it does cause damage to your neighbor's property, it's the obligation of the mazik, the one who caused the damage, meaning the owner of the property, who didn't guard his property from causing damage sufficiently well. Um, the word here, chav, is quite a... It's not exactly usual, as opposed to chayev. Again, this is a reflection of the, um, the the version of Hebrew that was spoken in Yerushalayim, uh, which was a little different. So chav, like chayev. The mazik is obligated, to make a payment of tashlumen, this word tashlumen, like tashlumen ezek, seems uh, to be a superfluous word. It could have said, you'd think, the mazek could l'shalem nezek, to pay for the damage. But tashlumen ezek is to implicate the idea of hashlama, which is like um, topping up, you know, to offset the difference. The point is, example I gave to you before, uh, if I dig a pit and your donkey falls in and your donkey is worth 100 and now it's broken and only worth 40, so my payment to you is just the hashlama, just the missing 60 to bring it from 40 back to 100, the difference between how much it was worth before it fell in and how much it's worth immediately after it falls in. And the same too about damages done with Shane, Regal, and Aish. Um, as opposed to, let's say, you might have think, thought, listen, 
now that you've broken my donkey, you take the donkey and give me, buy me a new one. No, that's not the case. I don't take the donkey and buy you a new one. I just compensate you for the decrease in value between before and after my damage, my stuff called damage to your property. And with the best of his land, this reflects that plus like I read to you before, that if a person is paying with property as opposed to with cash, so then he has to pay with the best of his property, best being the property which is most easily sold, um, uh, meaning it's like the most productive. So in a two, if I have two pieces of land, both worth 100, um, and I cause 100 damage to you, I can't give the less desirable land, even though it's worth 100, because let's say it's bigger. No, I have to give the more easily sold uh, piece of property to you. That's called idis in, uh, in rabbinic uh, parlance. Idis, the best of the property. And if I'm paying you with cash, however, or even with other metal and other kinds of objects, like I'm paying you in you know, sacks of flour or something, so then all kinds of cash is considered to be idis equally because it's equally easy to transfer cash and resell it, and therefore there's no obligation to pay with the best of my flour. I can give you any flour worth the 100 that I owe you.